Thank you for tuning in to the Career Exploration Podcast, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. You're listening to the Career Exploration Podcast for future and current pharmacists. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to introducing you to some of the many career paths available for pharmacists. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of our Career Exploration Podcast. Today, we're so lucky to welcome Dr. Megan Adelman, who is a clinical pharmacy specialist at the Cleveland Clinic Akron General Center for Family Medicine. She earned her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Northeast Ohio Medical University in 2015 and then completed her PGY-1 pharmacy residency at the Carolinas Medical Center and a PGY-2 residency in geriatrics at the Louis Stokes Cleveland VA Medical Center. Dr. Adelman has worked to expand pharmacy services, helping to implement multiple interdisciplinary clinics. Her practice and research interests include gaming and education, geriatric care, polypharmacy and de-prescribing, chronic disease state management, and population health management. Dr. Adelman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Welcome. It's great to see you again. Thanks. It's good to see you guys. So Dr. Adelman, as you know, since you've graduated, uh, you and I have crossed paths many times whether that be here at Neomed or at professional conferences. And it's always great to see you. Um, But would you mind telling us a little bit more about your journey from after you graduated to how you got to where you are today? Sure. No, thanks for the great question. Um, It's interesting. You know, pharmacy, one of the great things about it when you look at the different healthcare professions is that it tends to lend itself to a lot of versatility. So it's not so much not, uh, trashing on any of our medical colleagues, but they they kind of get stuck in a route. So they do school, they do residency, which is your uh, after graduation training, and they go a certain paths. So that looks like internal medicine. That might be OBGYN. Pharmacy is a little bit more diverse. Um, I tended to fall under the bucket that I didn't want to do the same thing every single day. I, I, I liked the different disease states during pharmacy school. Um, I also was drawn to pharmacy because I really liked the direct patient care aspect. I, I worked in a community pharmacy growing up and I liked knowing people, getting to talk with them. Pharmacy lended itself well to that. Um, I actually thought I was going to go into community practice when I first started. Um, and life just kind of took me in another way. So as you said, I did residency. So we did four years of a of pharmacy school, went down to Charlotte, did a general residency. So when I say general, you get that wide variety of things, different rotations. I actually thought I was going to go into critical care and that just was not my cup of tea. I really missed a lot of that talking directly to patients. When I did my ICU rotation, everybody was intubated. So it didn't lend itself to that, that talking component. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I think that that's, you know, you get so stressed out in pharmacy school. You think that every, you need to have an answer for everything. And that just wasn't me. I was kind of nearing the end of my first year pharmacy residency year and really kind of was a mismatch. Didn't know if I wanted to go inpatient, outpatient. Um, so I elected to do a second year and I did it in something uh, that I thought, how can I be so broad and ended up in geriatrics. Um, had interviewed for both internal medicine and geriatrics so that I could do, be as wide framed as possible. And then I got to the end of my second year and still kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted a broad scope. Um, I knew I wanted teaching and ended up falling into a position, a faculty position down in Morgantown, West Virginia with West Virginia University. Loved it. I really, it's so funny. I would have never have guessed family medicine. I was really drawn to the position statement just because they said exactly what I wanted to do. Teaching, you got to hang out with patients, got to hang out on an interdisciplinary team three components that absolutely were intriguing to me in pharmacy school and then post-graduation. So family medicine, I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like. Um, Got to learn 
though, a lot. It's awesome, though. Family medicine, when you think of going to the physician's office, you think meeting a physician, kind of doing your routine checkup and going. Uh, Family medicine is definitely growing in pharmacy care. So was there for a little over three years. It was a fantastic position. Uh, Akron, Ohio, Northeast Ohio is home for my husband and I. This position came open. It had been at Akron General, specifically with Cleveland Clinic, had been established really well with a prior pharmacist named Tim Brown, who is a trailblazer in pharmacy. And I thought, whew, big shoes to fill, but (laughs) knew that it was going to be a great practice because he had been so well-respected for years and ended up taking position. I'm pretty much set in family medicine now. I I can't imagine a better home. Family medicine historically is a a a little bit chaotic, a lot of different things, a lot of very interdisciplinary team-based and teaching base though. So um, I'd say my career path has been a little bit wonky, but I definitely ended up where I was supposed to. That's a great story. That's, I mean, you, you seem so calm and collected as you tell that story. I'm, I'm just picturing a resident who thought maybe they were going to go into critical care and completely change career path. And, and some people that would, that would stress them out or make them a little bit nervous, but it seems like you kept your options open. You evaluated all of the options that were in front of you and really just tried to see what you really liked. You know, let's be, let's be honest though. I mean, I think it's funny seeing both of you, Kristen, getting interactions with you, Fatty, you knowing me as a prior student, um, that, that is years in the making. And I still feel like sometimes it's still that nervous, anxious. Um, I very much fall under the category of pharmacist, very type A, high, strong. Um, I looking back from years as a student, it, I did not feel that way. You know, I felt very panicked, very stressed. Um, I think in my first year, I was 100% certain I was going to go community. And then it kind of deviated away from that. I had great professors at Neomed. You're so incredibly lucky. I definitely think that's one of the strengths of Neomed is that that faculty support that you have very early on. Um, You know, names that come to mind that I really have shaped my practice around as I've gotten more experienced are like Michelle Kudnick, Marianne Zurich, um, that I, I, I still was panicked. You know, I think that I was spastic is maybe a kind word maybe to say it. Um, but there's constantly that thought process of what do I want to do? What's it going to happen? And I would say that extended into residency. It was a constant panic of, I need to know the answer. I think it takes a little bit of perspective to say as cliche as it is that it all works out. You end up where you're supposed to, but that's really difficult to see in the moment. And I talk to my learners about that. Now you don't need to know the answers and guess what? If worse comes to worse and you go into a position or a residency and you don't like it, that's very short lived. You, you can always move. Pharmacy is fantastic in that sense that you don't like it. You move or maybe you love it and you're surprised mm-hmm. and your career takes past takes multiple ways. I, I laugh because I ended up seeing Chris Paxos, um, a, another fantastic faculty member within Neomed. I saw him probably about two years ago and his, one of his comments sticks out. He's like, I feel like you really mellowed. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, maybe what I'm saying right now is uh, I hope it's coming off well, but I th- I still don't know sometimes where I'm going to end up. I love my position right now. And that's what's important for right now. I can't imagine leaving because I love it so much. But um, I, th- I think what I would say is if you don't know where you're going, that's okay. Enjoy the journey. See what you like. Explore different career paths. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, good advice. And, and for the students that are listening, if you like a little bit of everything, which a lot of students will tell me, it's hard to decide. I like a little bit of everything. I think family medicine is fabulous for that. I think internal medicine is good for that. Even critical care, you're going to see 
every disease state. It's just how sick is your patient? You know, where's your patient located in the hospital? But for the students that don't know a lot about what a family medicine career would look like, could you tell us a little bit about what a typical day or a typical week would look like for you? Sure. I love that. So let's start with family family medicine. You know, what what does that look like? We think of going to the, the physician's office. So family medicine falls under the umbrella term of ambulatory care. That can be somewhat confusing because you hear ambulatory care, maybe think ambulance. It is the absolute opposite. So we are thinking primarily outpatient care. Um, think chronic disease state management. So your bread and butter would be those disease states where you see patients for multiple encounters. So that's probably one of my favorite things about family medicine, at least from the outpatient side, is that I have a subset of patients that I get to track for years. This, I get to see them from big milestones, um, both the good and the bad, um, but you get to be part of that that team and they are our patients. So I collaborate with the physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, but I have a clinic schedule set up just like a physician would. So I come in, um, I have appointment slots that I see patients. And the fun thing is, is it really is so different from day to day. So I, I think one of my biggest things when I was nervous about going into ambulatory care in the outpatient setting is that I would be stuck with one disease state. You know, you think maybe diabetes and that's all I would be doing. There's no nothing, no issue with that at all. Some people really subspecialize and do that. And that's okay. That just wasn't me. Um, so I come in, I have such a variety. So when I look at my clinic yesterday, for example, um, I have 20 to 40 minute appointment slots. I see patients individually, maybe sometimes with a resident if I have a teaching component. Um, one appointment can be for thyroid management. The next could go to diabetes management. And then the next could go to weight loss management. So it is so varied. Um, I am in clinic right now between virtual because COVID has made it a little bit different in terms of kind of a Zoom meeting or a telephone appointment with a patient or in person. Um, I'm in clinic probably about mm, five, maybe six half days a week. Uh, and then my other component is I get to be involved with residency teaching. Both I am a preceptor for the medical residents. So they get to learn about pharmacy a little bit more, as well as our pharmacy residents. Um, and then I get to teach medical students as well. And then there's the, the research component that comes with it. So my weeks don't exactly look the same from day to day, but I think you've got those three main buckets that I'm looking at each week. So clinic being my clinical portion, the teaching component with my residents and students, and then the research component as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that keeps it interesting. A little mm -hmm. bit of variety there and variety with the types of patients that you see. And, and it sounds like uh, depending on what setting you practice in, that could look a little bit different for an ambulatory care pharmacist. So they could specialize in a disease state or they could see a variety of disease states like you mentioned. Absolutely. No. And I think that's so fun. You know, I look at, I was just talking with a student about ambulatory care. Again, ambulatory, meaning outpatient, um, that looks so different based upon the pharmacist. And that's the exciting part about it. You know, I've got colleagues that are in... Um, infectious diseases in the outpatient setting and they do stewardship. Stewardship would mean how do we make sure that patients on the correct antibiotics, how are we monitoring? Um, and then I have the flip side. I have people that are in uh, women's health that are doing birth control, that are doing menopause issues. Ours totally look different. And that's the exciting part. We're qualified to do all of it. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a follow-up question on that? It sounds like you're very busy. You wear many hats. You have a lot of different roles. But for your direct patient care role, what does that look like? What exactly do you do with the patients? That, that's a great question. So I have to say, again, this would look different per practice. Mine is 
pretty exciting. So in Ohio, pharmacists, while we don't have the exact byline of providers. And that's a whole nother discussion that, um, you know, maybe our pharmacy students are getting into for pre-farm. You'll definitely hear that. We have what's called a collaborative practice agreement though. This is Ohio law. This tends to vary state by state. Collaborative practice agreements essentially allow pharmacists to prescribe under the purview of providers. So imagine what you're doing with your physician is exactly what you're doing with the pharmacist. So we don't diagnose. I, um, We'll collaborate with physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, get a diagnosis, and then we come in and we talk about what's going on. So let's use the example of diabetes. So you get a diagnosis, your A1C, which is one of the tests that we use to diagnose, has confirmed that you have diabetes. You come to me and we're going to talk about a whole range of things. What does your food intake look like? What does your activity look like? And then, of course, being pharmacist, what are your medications? Are we adherent? Are we having side effects? How can we maximize that? And thankfully, under my collaborative practice agreement, diabetes falls under that scope. So I can make direct changes. I can discontinue medicines. I can start medicines. I can increase medicines as warranted and order all of the lab work that's necessary with that. So that's what makes it really fun. There's no delay in therapy. How we tend to structure our practice is that we'll still use the example of diabetes. Um, patients that have uncontrolled diabetes tend to see me anywhere from every two to four weeks. And then every, let's say three months or so, they're seeing their primary care provider to make sure that we're doing holistic care. It is collaborative care. It is independent on both ends where we don't have to necessarily go to the physician, but still collaborative that patients are getting that holistic care with both the provider being the physician, nurse practitioner, PA, and then the pharmacist as well. Well, that sounds pretty amazing to me. I think it'll be news to a lot of our listeners to learn that uh, pharmacists in certain settings can actually prescribe medications to patients. Who'd have thought that the medication experts, those who go to school for four years just learning about the medications, could actually prescribe the medication? So pretty awesome to know that that some pharmacists under certain circumstances can do that. And I'm guessing that your patients probably have better outcomes that way as well. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's very well accepted in the literature. When a pharmacist is on board, we get holistic, better outcomes. And that's on so many different things. Let me give you the example, though, in terms of because population health management is another buzzword that we frequently see under ambulatory care. So this is looking not only at individual components, but what is your outcomes of a whole group of population? So my population would be Center for Family Medicine. We frequently see that when a pharmacist is on board, you get better outcomes, not only with percentage of patients that are meeting A1C goals. So that's your outcomes for diabetes. Um, We actually just frequently, or we just recently looked at something. We launched a pilot program for weight management. So this is individuals that would be categorized as obese based upon body mass index. Um, And we found that with a pharmacist and team on board, so I work with a behavioralist and dietitian, um, we had about 80% of patients that were enrolled in these appointments lose weight um, with an average weight loss of about eight pounds. So this would be an intervention. Um, Again, different things based upon where your areas of interest are, but certainly that team-based approach is definitely helpful. I feel like that's kind of been a theme in every episode that we've kind of recorded so far is that team-based approach. You know, I think it's important to realize that pharmacists are an essential part of the healthcare team. So thank you for mentioning that. I don't mean to interrupt. I think that's where you're really seeing... health systems in general really take notice of this. Like when I look at my hospital system, ambulatory care is expanding tremendously within Cleveland Clinic. Um, We've had multiple new hires within the last years. It's difficult without getting into the weeds of it. Right now, we 
kind of have limited billing. So imagine not only do outpatient pharmacists, they can make changes. We actually can bill. It's a a little bit lower level. So we're an expensive entity, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being noted, clinics are noticing the differences that we can make and we are getting tremendous responses and requests to have pharmacists in the inpatient or on the outpatient setting. So I look specifically with Akron General. We have had two new positions specifically piloted for outpatient management. One of those has already expanded into, she started with a new office. They've already had requests from a second office. And then the other individual just is starting to pilot at another office. I really think it's probably going to be a new position here relatively soon because she's been an integral part very, very early into their team. Wow. That's good to know. This is the direction that things are heading in them. And I liked that you said that the patients actually see you more often than they see the physician. A lot of times they have appointments more often with you. So, you know, you're getting to spend a lot of quality time with the patients. I think you become really attached. Um, It's one of the things, again, I, it's, I would argue I've got two favorite parts of my job. So the patients are number one. That's ultimately why I think many of us go into, to pharmacy. It's, I know so much about these patients. Um, they really become an extension almost of your family. You get really attached. I mean, the good and the bad. Um, I just talked about with somebody, I was following up with a patient yesterday that just experienced a recent loss. And that's something that you do have to deal with. You know, she had a, a, an aunt that just passed. You could feel her grieving that she was going through, but that's part of the process that you, you, you grieve with them. Um, but then you get to celebrate the successes too. You know, it's fun hearing about new grandbabies that come along, um, you know, weddings. I just talked with a patient about was getting a new daughter-in-law. Um, and that's the fun part. I, I don't see these patients as one and done. They are part of my journey. And then the second part, pretty much any pharmacist that's going into family medicine, you have to accept that you're going to teach. That might not look like a formal, um, you know, we think of teaching as if you're an undergrad right now, or if you're in pharmacy school, you look at your faculty and that's formal teaching. Um, I would argue that I wear the hat as a teacher though. I'm teaching residents, I'm teaching students in the clinical setting. Um, and those are definitely my two favorite aspects, but the, the continuity of care, that is one of the bedrocks of ambulatory care is that continuity of care that you get to see them on a frequent basis. So the, these are, you, you are responsible. These are your patients. And you're absolutely right. You know, teaching is a huge part of any pharmacist's job, whether you're teaching students or residents or patients, uh, it definitely comes with the territory. So thanks for mentioning that. So you mentioned some of the advantages of um, working as an ambulatory care pharmacist. So what are maybe some of the challenges that you've experienced as an ambulatory care pharmacist? Um, Let me pause on that for a second. So I would argue probably something that I'm really working on right now. And it's something that I would go back to the spasticity as a student that I, I'm, I'm not very good at. I'll be honest. Um, I tend to spread myself too thin as many pharmacists do. And with family medicine, there's so many different things that you can be part of that. I, um, you know, there's, there's a, a book that talks about different methods in terms of drilling down. And then they talk about the, um, the hedgehog and the Fox. I tend to do the Fox method where I'm kind of all over the board sometimes. And I want to be part of everything, um, versus the hedgehog really drills in and is specialized in one area. Um, so I would say that that tends to be the most challenging just because I think so many things are exciting. It's very hard for me to be like, okay, we're just going to stick in this specific area or saying, you know, it would be great to have pharmacy be part of this contribution. Maybe uh, one of the committees, there's only one of me in the family Mm -hmm. medicine center. So a lot of the times they see the benefit that pharmacy has not so much me pharmacy, pharmacy contribution. Um, so it, it's, 
um, I see many of my ambulatory care colleagues face this as well. H- how do you select? There's one of me, you've got me for so many hours. H- how, how do we pick the things that have the best patient care value as well as training value for our learners? Mm-hmm. You're in so, demand. Yeah. <laughs> again, and I don't think it's, it, I, I, I am not an exceptional person. This is ambulatory care in general. You know, I look at my other colleagues that have really trailblazed, you know, Tim Brown, the prior pharmacist set the foundation for that, that pharmacy is invaluable. I look at other Neomed colleagues that I really look to, um, Nicole McCorkendale, Beth Zelker or um, Carter previously. And they're in the same position where pharmacy and family medicine, ambulatory care, we just have a lot of benefit. It's exciting. Um, so you really have to drill down mm-hmm. where where is best serving my time. Growing up, my mother would classify that as that's a good problem to have, right? It's a problem, but it's a good problem. It's to have. true. No, no, no. And that's what, again, my days are never boring. I look up sometimes I was talking to my mom about that and I said, you know, it's five o'clock. I, I have no idea where my day went, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. fair. Krista, I, I definitely agree. Good problem to have. <laughs> good problem to have. I tell students that all the time. It's a lot of options and hard to make a decision. That's a good problem to have. It's true. So uh, this kind of leads into my question, because I was going to ask you with all the roles that you fill, how do you successfully balance all of those responsibilities? Do you have any, any tips or any advice for that? Um, I'm still learning. If, mm-hmm. if I had the answer, um, I'd probably be more successful. I, I I think sometimes it's just a, a little bit about self-love. I wish I could say that I succeed all the time with balancing. That's just not true. I, I, I'm humble enough and learning enough that sometimes I fail. Sometimes this whole work-life balance is, is not real. I like to think of it as work-life incorporation. I think my biggest thing that I have learned is you find a support system that accepts that this is your passion. Um, When I look at that, I look at my family, my husband in particular, I found a spouse that very much saw that pharmacy is an integral part of me. I love what I do. I wish I could say that it's just a job. I don't see it as such. I see it as more of a calling or a profession that I've dedicated myself to. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's accepted that, um, Sometimes I call at, I'm supposed to be home at five. And sometimes I call and say, hey, I'm still working with patients. This is really important to me. And I'm not going to get home until six. Um, And then some days it's not like that. So I I think making sure, number one, you've got a good support system. And number two, accepting that some days are going to be better than others is is one of the critical component. But if anybody, if you guys have uh, keys on that that work-life balance or time management, I am very much still working on it. I, I think we all are. And actually, I'm going to steal a little bit of what, what you've said there. And I'm going to use that in my home life, too, because I think we've all been in those positions before. And yeah, there's some things you just can't step away from. They're just too important. And um, if, if you love it and that's your passion, then yeah, that, that's what you need to do. That's what you're going to do. And I think many of our students are going to be in that. That's not ambulatory care. That's critical care. I mean, that's really all aspects of not only pharmacy, but the purview of medicine that Many of us went into it because we want to help patients. That's not a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. That's honestly a really great point. Um, So my next question for you, though, is how can a student maybe prepare for a career as an ambulatory care pharmacist? That's an awesome question. Um, One that I don't think is a really direct route. I look at so many of different ambulatory care practitioners and we none of us really got to the same place that we did going one path. Um, I would argue um, making sure that you enjoy direct patient care is a requirement. So getting a variety of experiences during, I'm going to use 
APPE interchangeably for the undergraduate students. This is going to be your fourth year in pharmacy school where you do your rotations. So these are your experiences directly out in the field. It kind of helps you to get a variety of pieces to determine where you want to go. Um, I wouldn't say that this is just ambulatory care. Get a variety because that's what's really going to help you select your practice. Um, things that I used from infectious disease rotations with Bob and Mystery um, and my geriatric rotation with Sue Fosnight have helped me in my practice even when I'm not directly doing that all the time. So pick a wide variety of rotations, both in your fourth year. I would argue that you're probably looking at a residency. So this is your after graduation experiences where you go through the match, um, you do interviews for, just because that's going to give you another layer of experience. Um, for the undergraduates listening, this would be usually a one year, if not two. So your second year, you can specialize. I did geriatrics because again, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to go into, um, but there are ambulatory care residencies a lot in Northeast Ohio, which are outstanding. Um, and then you would be looking again to determine your path. Residency is not necessarily required. I tell all of my learners that it does make it a little bit easier in terms of job selection, but we do have board certifications that you can take after a few years of practice. And that's kind of one of the backdoor methods that you can take. Okay. So critical, find a mentor to help you if you're interested in that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely helpful. That's key. A lot of people don't think about that, but that's so important. It's so helpful. So if we have some students that are listening and they're thinking that this sounds really good, you know, what kind of student do you think would do well in an ambulatory care career? And then, and then give us the flip side as well. Are there any students that you think maybe this, this isn't the best choice for them? Oh, good question. You know, I, I want to say, I feel like ambulatory care is probably the most accepting, <laughs> you know, we, we like people. So we tend to, you know, we like, we like talking to people. So really anybody else fits that mold. I would say skill set where I see success with learners or things where I feel like this has helped me in the past is, is flexibility. Um, I always laugh with family medicine when I sit down with my residents and I show the schedule for the, the month. I say, this is really more of a template rather than a set schedule because mm -hmm. your day just could flip on its head and we could look something else. So flexibility is a critical component. And then really the key thing, do you like people? Um, if you're more of a, I kind of just want to either, um, sit in the back, um, and not engage, this is, you're going to be miserable. And just because you are going to be in the forefront, um, you are going to be pulled in multiple different directions. The expectation of being on a team, there's no getting around it in the outpatient setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that meets many individuals that go into pharmacy though. I think that that's a skill set that um, it's brought up during interviews. Um, it's why many people go into pharmacy. I think the first thing people think about with pharmacy is your traditional community setting. There's a lot of, I would say if you are thinking community pharmacy, ambulatory care has a lot of the different and similar skill sets associated with that. Um, downsides or indiv individuals with skill sets. I think, again, if you are thinking more nuclear pharmacy where you want to do more individualized work, that's not bad. That's just not going to be not going to be the environment that you see in the outpatient setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you made the connection to community pharmacy because I think a lot of people think about community pharmacy when they think about pharmacy, but they don't think about what you do. So I think mm -hmm. that's that's nice to kind of show them that there's a couple of different options there for those that really enjoy interacting with the patients, getting to know the patients, seeing them over and over again like mm -hmm. that, having that relationship. That's and great. I would argue 
patients too. You know, it's so funny. I love meeting people for the first time that are like, I don't really know why I'm meeting with the pharmacist. Um, I think of you kind of in the traditional setting where I'm going to get pills, like, are you dispensing pills? So it's, it's a great opportunity for population education Mm -hmm. um, as to what a pharmacist can do. And I think we're still kind of learning and how we can expand our practice as well. And, you know, a phrase that stayed with me from one of our previous guests is uh, that pharmacists dispense knowledge, right? So we might not all dispense medications, but we all do dispense knowledge. That's very fair. And I think we need to, we're, Neomed does such an exceptional job. I felt so incredibly prepared for um, residency, kind of some of my thinking, because I do think Neomed really focuses on how do you interact with patients and how do you provide that counseling? Because that's, that's where pharmacy is going. When we look at reimbursement rate for pill distribution, that's that's going down. Um, so regardless of the setting that you're going to be in, we are known as the medication experts, not the medication dispensers. So Fatty, I, I think that's so beautifully put and I'm about to write that down as a reminder. <laughs> steal that one. Yeah, yes. steal that one. You could have the best plan in the world, but if you can't explain it to the patient and the patient isn't on board and they don't agree with what you're saying, then it's not going to work. So I agree. And same being for the team too. You know, I I think so many of the times what I really like about my job is that it's not just that you accept it at face value. It's how do you explain it so that you're, um, I mean, I don't, I I work in a setting where yes, I still make recommendations. Um, I mean, I prescribe. So, but like, if you are collaborating and you're saying, okay, what are the different options you're going to, you're going to go toe to toe with another provider that says, okay, why are you talking about that? So making sure you know the literature, Mm -hmm. making sure you know the guidelines, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to collaborate a lot. Sometimes you have to negotiate and um, everyone has to be able to clearly adequately explain, you know, why they'd like to do what they want to do and then come to the best decision for the patient. So that that's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So I have one more question for you. If you could go back and do it all over again, is there anything that you would change or maybe do differently? (sighs) What I would have done differently. That's a hard question. Um, You know, I I think two things. I think, oh man, multiple things, I guess. Um, Let's start with number one. When I look look at it, I wish I remember being a very anxious student. So for those of you listening in there are pharmacy students right now and you're panicking about things, I feel you. I'm there for you. I've been there. Um, I was the one that was very stressed about grades, um, worried that things wouldn't work out. Um, And you know what? That kind of looking back in retrospect, kind it it does matter, but it's more important that you kind of understand the why. Um, I I wish I would have just calmed down a little bit (laughs) Um, and just enjoyed the ride, enjoyed that life was going to work out the way that it needed to. Um, I think that that can sometimes be, I I look back and think, oh man, I'm so sorry to Kristen. I'll include you in this. I'm I'm sorry for being the student that I was sometimes. Um, Yeah. I don't remember you like that. So good. Good. I just remember standpoint, it was, everything was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I, I don't know if some of my classmates would agree. Um, and I, and I accept the del- self-deprecation enough that I just remember being stressed and, and I look back and I think, wow, I would have never have guessed as a first or second year, or even third or fourth that I would end up in family medicine. And this is 100% where I was supposed to be. Um, so I think number one, not worrying about grades, it all works out. Make sure you know your knowledge base. Um, it really does. Neomed is so incredibly supportive in its curriculum that I think you, you are going to be well-prepared. And then the second thing is just 
enjoy. Know that really it is all going to work out. And in work, I always think in worst case scenario with my anxiety, what could be that worst case outcome? Okay. So you don't like your position. Guess what? It can change. Like Mm -hmm. you, so you don't like the job that you're in. Okay. Go and do some extra training. Um, be that board certification, continuing education, apply for a different job. So I wish I would have not worried about grades and just calm down knowing, knowing that life and pharmacy was going to take me where I needed to go. I mean, look at me, look at me. I left a job and then came back to a job. So you just never know what's going to happen. But yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of options out there. There are a lot more options out there than, than when I first started looking. So I think it's, it's wide open for pharmacy and for pharmacists and prospective students. They have a lot of options on the table. It's looking really, really good, really positive. Yeah. It's a good time to be a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. I have one more question since you give such great advice. I have another advice question for you. Uh Okay. (laughs) Because it's a career exploration podcast, we like to ask everyone, you know, do you have any advice or tips specifically to career, career exploration? I think you gave a lot of really great tips already, but if there's anything else that you'd like to share. Sure. I think I I mentioned this before twofold. So I remember my initial mentor coming in, gave me this piece of advice and it's been so critical. Number one is to find a lateral mentor. So somebody that's a little bit further along in their career that maybe you want to emulate, whether that be a job position or their skill set. You know, I look at, wow, just like invaluable people that have been part of my life. Mick Hunt, who unfortunately is no longer at Neomed, but just was critical. Um, Michelle Kudnick that came in, Rick Kasmer. Um, man, I, I could go on and on. Sue Fosnight. I mean, really it ended up being pretty much all of the faculty at Neomed. Um, and the, it, it, And that can develop, you know, there's some that I haven't talked to as much, but I 100% think have influenced my practice. And that even changes in residency. Antonio Carson, who is my PGY2 director, um, you know, learn from them. They've helped me avoid so many mistakes and even walked me through the mistakes that I've had. Um, But that's critical. So finding at least one mentor, if not multiple to learn from uh, laterally, and then also pick up horizontal mentors. So these are individuals that are in the same part of life as you are. Um, These could be prior or current students, uh, residents. I look at my PGY2 co-residents, the VA. Wow. I mean, they still daily impact my practice. I reach out to them frequently for questions. Um, They got pretty much got me through residency. Um, And then I look at colleagues like within ambulatory care. So I look at, ironically, Angela Goodhart, who uh, graduated a couple of years after me, is very influential on my practice. I reach out to her frequently. She's down at West Virginia. Um, Beth Beth Carter within uh, within the Cleveland Clinic system um, are just a few that come to mind that really, uh, even though we're on kind of the same level playing field, I still consider them mentors because... Mm-hmm. My practice is probably about 10% of who I am, 90% of what's stolen from everybody else. I think that's really great advice. Um, You know, utilize your resources and who better than those who have kind of been through it already once before. Um, So I think that honestly is really great advice for our current and prospective students. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say Neomed. It's so fun. Neomed, I think, has done such a great job of when I... I think there's so many phenomenal pharmacy schools nationally. I'm obviously very partial to Neomed. When Kristen, you said, would you do it? Or Fatty, one of you two asked, what would you do differently? I 100% would pick Neomed over and over again. I feel like that really gave me the base for, um, number one, it wasn't letter grade. So I think that actually helped in terms of my anxiety. But then it really is such a great size. You know, you're not too small of a class so that you feel super isolated, but it's a big enough class that you... um, 
are able to really build those good relationships. I knew everybody in my class. I still frequently talk to people in my class. Actually, one of my bridesmaids in my wedding was from my pharmacy class. So um, I think in terms of developing those lateral mentors, it, it just creates such a phenomenal environment for that, as well as vertical too. Like I said, I feel like the faculty um, <laughs> were so patient with me when I look at um, my development. Mm. I want to share one thing with Megan too that she she probably doesn't know is I have students right now that are writing up a plan on how to find a mentor and the best mentor for them. So we've incorporated that into the curriculum even. Oh, so cool. they, they, they learn about that. And right now they're, they're writing up their mentoring relationship plans. So oh, we, I we agree. That. Yeah, we agree with everything that you're saying. I think that's so important. Neomed does such a nice job. I don't think you're, you're not going to Neomed just to learn the mechanism of action or the pharmacokinetics of a drug. I mean, when I think of the holistic response, the Wasson Center, um, you know, the other soft skills that are so hard to learn, but really get mentored a lot. Neomed just knocks it out of the ballpark. Well, Dr. Adelman, thank you so much for joining our episode today. It's really been a pleasure talking to you and learning all about what you do in the ambulatory care world of pharmacy. I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping that our listeners learned a lot as well, but it's been really great catching up with you. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to tune into the next episode as well. So Dr. Adelman, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate your thank time. Thank you guys for having me. It's been so great catching up. Thanks. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy's Career Exploration Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. If you like what you heard in this episode, please be sure to tune in to our next episode. Remember to check out our social media pages at NeomedCOP to submit questions for our upcoming guests. If you would like to learn more about Neomed's College of Pharmacy, we would love to talk to you. Visit www.neomed.edu pharmacy and click on pre-pharmacy to learn more or to check out the show notes for today's episode.